When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My man Shang is back. Uh, Bean Dog is back. We got a great show. We were just talking before the show about like, um, you know, it's funny because I, I, I say this all the time. You know, when I coach wrestling, there's so many kids like, oh, I'm not really feeling it today. I'm not feeling it. I don't feel good. And I tell kids like, you know, when I coach, hey, it's not about when you're feeling good. It's about when you don't want to be there. That's the difference. Uh, right. And then with comedy. It's not about the hot crowd. Almost anybody can kill in front of a hot crowd, like a hot, hot crowd. It's when you're up there and the first five minutes, nobody is laughing. Nobody's laughing. And then you got to do 45. Or like I said, like there was a time I, when my mom passed away, I had a show the next night. Um, and, yeah, that too. and I was like, you know what? This is what my mom would have wanted. And this is what I have to do. And uh, this is... So that's really like, it's not about when you're feeling good and you, and you, and you have to perform. It's when you're feeling awful. Uh, McCorkle, did you have that when you were fighting? Like there were days you were just you came out of bed. You're like, this is going to be a terrible fight. But you had to kind of. Uh, every, every time. Every time. I hate, I hate, <laughs> every I hate time. Fighting, I hate fighting. I hate everything about it except the stuff that comes with it. But um, every time walking out of the cage, I said, this is my last time. Never again. I don't care how much they pay me. It's not worth it. It's not worth the stress. I was never afraid of getting hurt. I was always afraid of getting embarrassed. Um, that was my biggest thing. Um, I think it's cool as comedians, all you guys can look up to, you know, older, more seasoned comedians. Like, think about, you know, not just five minutes where no one's laughing. Think about 45 minutes where no one's laughs and you still continue on like Brendan Schaub. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, early. But uh, no, I hated it. Yeah, I hated fighting. Hated everything about <laughs> that it. was coming. You have like, is it like, are you like Ray Finkel? Uh, and Ace Ventura and Brendan Schaub is like where you're gonna kidnap him and like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Schaub is like my Carol Baskin if I was that Tiger King guy or whatever his name is. Dude, yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, by the way, uh, I know this is the fight podcast, but Carol Baskin is gonna be on the new Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. Uh, oh I was wondering what star she's gonna dance with. Uh, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, right. right. Like, she killed her husband. I mean, allegedly, I'm pretty sure she killed her husband and fed him to the, the Tigers. To the Tigers, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, so they, they announced it. I actually wrote it down. It's Nelly, who is, who's like a legit star. Didn't you open for Nelly, Shane? Uh, no. Oh, those are the Ruben's open? It's uh, AJ McLean, who's the Backstreet Boy, one of the Backstreet Boys. I mean, imagine he's on a show now with Carol Baskin. Uh, <laughs> right. Carol Oakley. Was one of my favorite Knicks of all time. That guy was a monster. And Hesh, who's a brilliant actress. Jesse Metcalf, Johnny Weir, who's gonna win. I mean, that guy is like a legit Olympian gold medalist. Uh, I think he's an ice skater, right? 
but and Carol Baskin. Like, how did this? That, that's embarrassing. If I was on a comedy show with Carol Baskin, I'd go, ah, I'm gonna pass. I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not. You know, I'm not a big time, but I'm not there. I'm not. Uh, so, I was just glad when I saw that announcement. Um, I was glad that whatever injury Nelly suffered many years ago that caused him to wear a Band-Aid for 10 years finally healed. <laughs> like, I was just glad that whatever that was on his face finally is better. So. Dude, now, that uh, was such a weird look at the time, like wearing Band-Aids yeah. and taking didn't your have, fingers didn't up have, like Didn't he have, like, multiple sexual uh, allegations against him? I felt like I, the only thing I heard about him was, like, women. No, was uh, that was uh, mystical. No, it wasn't Nelly? I'm pretty sure it was, it was Nelly, too. He went to jail. He went to jail for it. No, I think Nelly was like it was he was accused, but then he just admitted he was just cheating, but he didn't rape the girl. I I, I don't know what uh, exactly happened, but um. It's, anyway. music, it's music artists. That's what they do. I mean, and if you're you know. Wait, wait. You mean like they wait? You mean like they rape or the, or they get accused of? Or they, they they get accused of stuff or 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 you could be. Or you know, <laughs> now, how would you guys like to? You know, you're talking about AJ McLean. How would you like to, like, I always dreamed of being like a music executive so that I could make this call. Like, I could call up a boy band member and be like, good news, bad news for you, Johnny. Good news is you're in the boy band. You made it. He's like, all right. I'm like, the bad news is you're the ugly one. <laughs> I don't know. Every, every group There's always the, the streetwise one, the one that's streetwise. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you're uh, Joe, uh, or what's his name? Joe Knight, not Jordan Knight. You're the ugly. Uh, uh, the yeah. Ugly yeah. The ugly one usually is the best singer. All right, so let's talk about fighting. So it got announced yesterday that uh, in December, December 12th, I think, that's usually when they have their big event. It used to be on New Year's, but they moved it earlier. Uh, Masvidal versus Diaz rematch. I am with, mad at it. And for the baddest motherfucker. And then Burns Usman for the belt. Uh, I, I, have wow. a couple, I have a couple issues with this. The Masvidal-Diaz first one wasn't even close. It wasn't even – it was a mismatch. I mean, Masvidal was kind of beating the shit on Nate Diaz, and I, I'm a Nate Diaz fan. I wanted Nate to win, but he was, yeah, he was, he was killing him, and his eye would have got worse. He would have continued to bleed like a stuck pig, and he was losing. He was absolutely losing. So why are we doing this, McCorkle? Uh, for pay-per-view sales. Um, that's what I think. It's strictly about that, and uh, plus, it's win-win for the UFC. They make a ton of money. If Masvidal wins, he's back in title contention. If Diaz wins. He's uh, set up to fight Conor McGregor. You know, there's any, any number of ways they can go. But they like to do that. UFC likes to take two guys coming off losses and pay, put them together. That way, at least, you know, one guy is coming off a win then, you know. But uh, no, it's the way they match it. So. One came off of – I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say Masvidal came off a loss, but it was with a week's notice. And I wouldn't give that – I wouldn't put that in the same category as Diaz. Diaz flat out lost. He yeah. flat out got his ass beat. Although, right although, 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 Shang, although the fight was stopped – in the, I think with the third or the fourth, and Nate Diaz, Diaz does come Diaz come does come back a lot. Yeah, but I mean they would have stopped it anyway. The cut was horrendous. Did you see it? It was like a flap yeah. of skin. No, I had no, I had no problem with the stop. The only problem with the stoppage was that Nate didn't want to stop it. If the guy doesn't want to stop it, usually I'm just like let him go. But it didn't look like it, it wasn't competitive really. Um, I don't know about this one. I I fuck. I'm gonna root for Diaz. I hope he wins. You can never count Diaz out of the fight. I don't think he's gonna win. Uh, it's just a matter of. Why are we – Joe, thoughts? I like the rematch, dude. You know, I'm a, I love Nate Diaz, and he does uh, – I feel like he doesn't really train for his opponents. He just trains, you know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't really give a shit how his opponent fights. So, I think in the second fight, he has to take into consideration that Masvidal is a crazy starter in these fights. He likes to charge and just throw everything he has from the get-go. So, I think 
the biggest takeaway that Nate has to come up with is, you know, be cautious in the first round, you know, don't get caught, just expect Masvidal to come charging at you. And if he is smart in that first two, or first and second round, I think um, he will be able to make the fight last longer and prevent any serious damage to his face and prevent any cuts. And I think he could but be he able to go to a decision. No, 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 no. He, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't checking kicks. He was getting hit constantly. I mean, constantly. Diaz was not it – was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was kind of an ass-beating from beginning till they stopped it. And I think Masvidal would have baptized him eventually. I mean, it, was, it, looked, it looked bad. I honestly know? think that, um, that Leon Edwards, he's complaining about it. And I think he has a legitimate gripe because he should be fighting Masvidal next. They got to a fight backstage. Remember he gave him that three-piece with a combo? Yeah, three-piece of the soda. <laughs> uh, it's a big money fight for Leon. It's a big profile fight. And Leon gets – he gets passed over a lot. It seems like he gets, he gets overlooked, and he's a good fighter. I don't know what it, what it is. He gets hurt or something. He pulls out of fights. He doesn't have any – there's nothing about him that it, it makes you want to, like, pay-per-view watch him. The, the only fight that's marketable for him is the uh, Masvidal fight because of their altercation. But other than that, I wouldn't care to watch him fight ever again. You know, like, that's the only thing uh, – I don't know. He's just not. He doesn't stand out like uh, yeah. Shank said. You know, he's just kind of just another guy to me. So, yeah. so and Diaz and Masvidal are kind of street motherfuckers, and that's what makes you want to see him fight. But I, I still think Diaz. I don't know. Diaz didn't look to me like, and I love Diaz. He's like, yeah, but but you know, Joe has a point though. Diaz might have overlooked him. He was coming off a win over Pettis, and now he might take him more seriously. And Diaz doesn't like to lose. He hates – he's been talking shit well, to I, on Twitter the I, whole time. I think Masvidal was gassed after the third, and if it had continued, if the cut hadn't stopped it, I think Diaz probably would have won the fourth and fifth. But he was still lost by decision because it wasn't even close, the first three. Yeah. But it would have been more competitive, I think, fourth and fifth. Uh, I don't think if, you know, if Usman can't finish an out-of-shape Masvidal, Diaz wasn't coming back and finishing him. You know, so there was no – I mean, he was going to lose three to two even if he won the last two, maybe even – you know, a 10-8 round on one of those first three. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it's they can put another belt on the line. I, th I bet Usman is freaking out because here he is defending his belt, but he doesn't get to keep the BMF belt, and it's going to be contested on maybe the same card, you know? So it'd be like – Dude, the first time I met Diaz, I was at, the, I was at a club in, in Vegas, and he was standing there with, with Nick, and they just looked like two pit bulls, like, guarding a porch. You know, they yeah. just <laughs> – Mad dog and everybody, right? So I'm, like, kind of trying to avoid eye contact because I'm, like, what fucking jokes did I make about this guy? Like, I don't want to – so we make eye contact, and he smiles. He goes, what's up, man? He goes, come here. And he's, like, man, you're funny and fucking – you want to come train with me tomorrow? I'm, like, uh, I'm good about that, but, uh, but thanks, yeah. man. And he's, like – so he's, like, yeah, man. And we're talking about fighting, and the guy was so nice, right? And then Nick walks by, and I go, hey, Nick. And he, Nick just keeps walking, and Nate looks at me. He goes – don't worry, he doesn't talk to me either. And I was like, <laughs> like, and then we took a picture together, right? We took a picture and Nate smiled, right, in the picture. Then he goes, hold on, let's take it again. And then the second picture, he was pissed. It was like, he got, he got mad that he smiled in a picture. You know, like, like most people want to smile and that's the, like, he was the opposite. Like if he smiles, he's like, oh, let me take that. Like, he can't smile, but uh, but. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I think Usman is not that, – that's a good fight, don't give me him and Burns. And I think Burns is going to take it to him. But, and Usman's a monster. But I'm telling you right now, the fight I'd want to see out of the two 
even though I think it's going to be a wash, um, is Masvidal and Diaz. It has more draw than Usman. And I think Usman doesn't have – like that last fight, it wouldn't have been as big if it wasn't for Masvidal. Yeah, no, oh, for sure. Yeah. And people were saying, hating on me. I, w- I put it on Twitter. I said, Masvidal may have lost, but he won. Because money-wise, I heard that he got chipped off. Yeah, but he, still, but he still lost. I mean, he was, he was on such a tear with his flying knee against Askren and his running that was That was crazy. Yeah. He was looking like the next big thing. He, and he was. So him looking kind of normal – Still was a loss for him. Uh, you got it. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. Money wise, I, I get it. I get it. But you have to understand that, like, fighters aren't the fans aren't gonna aren't gonna take that in consideration. They're not gonna be like, oh, you fought on a week notice. They're just gonna remember him, you know, kind of hitting a board. I think they will take the week notice. Uh, I think the week's notice will be taken into account. But uh, but like you said, I do think that Gilbert Burns is going to beat Usman. Um, I think that they, they trained together, and he kept calling him out. Burns kept calling him out. And I think when you call out the guy you train with, you know something. And I think that Burns just uh, – he's in that zone right now. I think – I don't know if Usman shit got to his head or he's partying or he's taking a, uh, you know, a victory lap, but I just think Burns wants it. He's hungrier, and I think he's peaking right now. And I, th- I think Gilbert's got this. Sean. Uh, I would say so, man, partially because I always root against Usman. But, uh, <laughs> no, Burns, when he uh, he just beat – I can't remember his name. Who did just who'd Burns fight last? Uh, Woodley? Woodley, Oh, so, yeah. yeah, the way he looked against Woodley, man, like that. And Woodley's faded a little bit, but he's still – I mean, Woodley's still Tyron Woodley, you know. And the way Burns looked, I think he'll take it to Usman. I think he'll be in his face and pressure him and make him fight. And uh, hopefully Usman can't just, you know, dry hump him for five rounds. I'm hoping that's not what happens, but uh, now I'm going. Uh, I'm going Burns too, just voting with my heart anyway. But he actually took down Woodley too. I mean, he beat him yeah. wrestling, and he, he's a he's a jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, Shane, uh, I definitely. I, I mean, I say Burns is going to win, and I think that he he is just as strong as Usman. Usman's a strong motherfucker. They said he got gorilla strength, but so does Burns. And when Burns gets you down, it's hard to get up. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a he's a beast. So. I just – and not that I dislike Usman. I just don't think Usman can hang with that, that – that, I don't know what that – you know when you can tell one person really fucking needs it and the other person's like, yeah, I got it, whatever. And it the other person's like, like, I fucking need like, this. It does seem like Byrne has – Burns is more of a killer instinct than, than – than Yes, yeah, that's – yes. It does seem yes. like Usman gets – is kind of content with winning. Right. Where, where Burns wants to finish you. Um, Wean Dog. I definitely think Burns, out of all the top contenders in the 170-pound division, I think Burns probably has the best chances to beat um, Kamara Usman. I just really worry about Burns' gas tank uh, because it's like very similar to when Marlon Marais went to go fight Henry Cejudo. Marlon had all this hype, but then he got in there and he gassed out after like the first round, and then he just got destroyed by the wrestler. So I'm very uh, cautious, you know, when I pick Gilbert in this fight. I do think he could win. I think he might win, but it's Kamaru Usman, dude. You know, this guy really, just... Burns gets really fat, too. I mean, yeah, he, so, I mean he look gets... at his brother. Look at his brother. His brother's fight. He gassed out in, like, 20 seconds, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, uh, by the way, so Woodley posted a video of him and Masvidal training for Colby Covington. So, I guess he probably figures, you know, uh, Masvidal is Colby's ex-teammate. Uh, he knows how to beat him. Woodley's like... 
uh, I, I think that's only going to just fuel Colby. I now, I mean, not that he needs fuel. I mean, but uh, McCorkle, how much does training with somebody's old training partner help you? Uh, I mean, they may be able to give you a little insight, but I think uh, both those guys have fought so many times. You got so much film on them, you know, whatever, you know what they're going to do. Um, and with that one, I think, uh, I think uh, Colby will win. Um, Colby, I think, would have beat Usman if he hadn't gassed. That's the first time I've ever seen Colby gas in my life. Normally, he's like Cain Velasquez. Like, he's set a pace that nobody can fight at. But he was tired before Usman was in that fight. And I think that really was the difference, you know, in the fight. Really? Uh, yeah. You don't, think, uh, you don't think that fucking, you know, punch to the grill was the one? You don't think what? that? Yeah, well, that George, yeah, he, he, started, he started teeing off on him. Colby looked gassed to me after the second, and that's he He said he had food poisoning the night before. And oh, get like, the fuck out of here, dude! Hey, it's a like I'm just telling you what what he said. He said he said he was he was not. He said he thinks he was poisoned the night before. Uh, <laughs> look at look at Wayne's face, like yeah, right. No, he just lost, man. <laughs> First of all, he was one minute away from winning. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. No, he, he wasn't. Was. Look at the scorecards. One guy. Okay, had, it was it was close, but then you could see, uh, you know what he did start, when he started gassing. He he, he started taking more damage. Dang, and then dang, once dang, he hit him, dang, he knocked dang, him down. Dang, facts don't care about your feelings. Okay, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck your feelings. All right, look at scorecard. Right. One judge had Colby winning. One judge had Usman winning. One judge had an even. Okay, so that's going into the fifth round. The first two minutes of the fifth round. You could argue it was close enough. You could say Colby was winning. Then he got caught, and then it was over, right? So I think it was that he was about a minute away from winning. I think it was three minutes. It was, it was really, like, late into the fifth round. It was late into the fifth caught. round. Right. right. So I'm just saying that he probably – if he would have not got caught, uh, he might have won that fight. Uh, he probably would have won that fight. So I wonder why they didn't give a, a rematch to him that would have been a good fight, a rematch to him and Usman, because it was such a good fight and it was so close. Why wouldn't they say, "Hey, let's run it back and let let them go at it again and give give Kobe they were, a chance"? They were they were talking about it. I know I know for a fact they were. Oh, okay. They were talking about and they were trying to make it July Fourth weekend. <laughs> like they were talking about making it during fight weekend. There was a lot of talk going back and forth, according to Colby, uh, and I know he was trying to wait one out. He wasn't doing himself any favors, I think, a lot of times. I think he was injured. Uh, he, he had some injuries, and Usman had some injuries. And I don't know. I, I know that um, if, if Kobe beats Woodley, I think that they're going to make that the next fight for Kobe. Um, and Usman. And if Usman. Woodley's motivated. I think Kobe's motivated, but Woodley kind of got to win this one. So I think he has that fire under his ass. And I know that Woodley, seemed, from the both fights, he seems like he has so much more power than Kobe. Like I think that Woodley like he hits harder. I do. Woodley I, has more power. Oh, he totally has more power. I do worry that Woodley might overtrain for this. I think he might want it so much he might overtrain. Like I don't know. Like uh, McCorkle, who do you think wins, Woodley or Kobe? Uh, I think I just think Kobe because I think Woodley's old man. Like not really in years, but all. Agent. A lot of times you see those guys, man, they start even – not that Cormier is not so great, but those guys, once they lose a couple, man, once they start to that slide, you get old fast, man. And it's uh, – Whitley, I've lost money betting on him his last couple fights, like, because I thought when he's healthy and in shape like he was, you know, a few years ago or whatever, Whitley's 
one of the best I've ever seen at 170, man. Like he was, you can't out wrestling, you can't out boxing, you couldn't anything, you know, nobody. And even Masvidal said that. I saw Masvidal in an interview say, you know, Woodley three years ago when he was in shape and not injured was the best he's ever seen at 170, you know. Um, so um, it's tough to do. But I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, Colby just by being younger and uh, the way Woodley's looked, I think he got to go with Colby. I can't wait. That's probably the – I'm mostly about that fight than anything else. Me too. Are you serious? Yeah, because, I mean, they genuinely hate each other. And they're two guys in the top five. How many times do we see two guys in the top five that really hate each other? I mean, I, 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 I'm more hyped to see Masvidal and Diaz. Yeah, I'm talking, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about, like, like in the next month, though. I'm not talking about – Oh, like, the next – close, close. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, now no, – uh, yeah. Now, according to – so Brian Ortega is fighting the Korean zombie, right? According to uh, – so this is a fight where Ortega punched zombie's interpreter. Uh, he, he went at a fight. He punched him at, during a fight. They had to get broken up. The guy was a Korean rapper. Uh, according to Brian Ortega, talk shit, get hit. That's where I come from. Diaz brothers aren't the only ones from a city where if you act a certain way, you get slapped. As much as you grow and try to learn things, do better, sometimes it comes out, and it came out. Uh, do you agree with that philosophy, Shang? Uh, completely. <laughs> I do. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, as well as Willie, as Willie Barcina. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I mean, I just think that Brian Ortega is one of the coolest motherfuckers, and if you push him to that point, you know that you did some silly shit. He slapped a rapper, a Korean. He didn't slap her. I know. What I'm saying is, he just seems like he's not just not that type of dude. But, I mean, other than, you know, the Frankie Edgar fight, uh, I just think that Korean Sabi's going to have some problems. He's going to have some problems. Um, Sean? Uh, I don't know, man. I um, I was just shocked when Ortega got beat by Max Holloway the way he did because I thought Ortega was like the the – you know, guy of the future. He showed unbelievable toughness, but uh, I, I'm all for people getting slapped when they get out of line. Like, I think the world needs a lot more of that. <laughs> um, I really am. Um, I was a little surprised, though. The uh, I heard the rapper that got hit said the whole thing was just ridiculous. So, I don't know. I thought it was, um, you know, out of control. But, um, it's, uh, no, I'm all for with people. I think the world needs far more of that and far less uh, prosecutions of acts like that. So, I just wish it was Cy, the Gangnam Style guy. I'm mean, gonna slap the Korean zombie. How do you not go against that guy, right? I mean, that seems right. like so. Uh, Dana White is open to John Jones fighting Brock Lesnar. Hell yeah, uh, dude! That fight. Moves oh, the stop it, Queen! <laughs> that fight moves the needles. Uh, lots of needles right there. That's, that um, was hilarious. Now, Tony Ferguson said he wants to help train Brock. That could be the worst idea. Brock will be injured in eight seconds. Uh, he'll have him doing some kind of on a unicycle. Fucking bench pressing, you know. <laughs> Juggling bowling ball pins. Yeah, I mean, that's not the guy you want to train oh. you. Tony Ferguson has to be, like, the worst train, uh, Best fighter, terrible workout train. Only he, he can do what he can do. Um, now, everyone seems to think that John Jones is going to run through Brock Lesnar if they fight. I think so, too. But, fuck, I mean, I thought Mark Hunt was going to fucking destroy Brock Lesnar. I'm like, he's going to fucking jab him. Brock's going to fall down. And Brock showed me a lot in that fight. A lot. Uh, who wins this fight? Sean McCorkle, talk to me, man. I think, uh, 
I think Jones easily if they uh, fight because if Dan Cor- Cormier couldn't take down Jones, Brock Lesnar's not taking down Jones, and he for sure won't stand with him. But I don't think there's any way he passes the steroid test with USADA. I don't care who he's got working for him. Um, and I think uh, Brock is just trolling everybody to get a bigger WWE deal. He does it all the time. Every time his contract is up, he's going back to the UFC allegedly until they pay him what he wants. So I think that's his move. But uh, I would love to see it, but I don't see uh, I don't see any way he passes the drug test, especially being on the radar failing last time. Uh, and if he does, he definitely – I mean, if he can if he can go a four-month period, because that's the only reason they grandfathered him in last time, let him in, was because they knew he couldn't pass a drug test. You know, like uh, otherwise they could do special exceptions under the rules. That's why he didn't have to pass four months of tests. But he, no way he makes it through four months of tests. And if he does, he doesn't look like he looks today. I'll tell you that. Oh, I, I think it's the biggest bullshit in the world that Jones <laughs> going to fight him. It is bullshit. I think he should fight Stipe. If you're going to fucking act like you're going to be a beast, go against Stipe. He wants then, Stipe. He wants, huh? Jones wants to fight Stipe. But then fight Stipe. Fucking Brock Lesnar. You know, uh, only way Brock Lesnar fights is if they got some duct tape to hide the horse tail he's grown from all the fucking horse <laughs> he takes. Get out of here. Fuck him. I, I'm seriously. He's a fucking... I, I do not like him. No, I'm, no. I am so glad Frank Mir almost broke his fucking leg. The second fight, he broke Frank Mir's face. Like, I know, but I, the first one. I'm not talking about the second one. I was just yeah, glad that, that he, the second one counts. I mean, nobody cares about the first one. No offense. Brock was like, like a month into training. He wasn't even like he just went in there. The second one was the funniest you'd ever seen because Frank Mir was like, and I love Frank Mir, but he's like, man, I've forgotten some jujitsu moves that Brock has. My jujitsu is so advanced that Brock is blah blah blah. And Brock put him in a schoolyard headlock and just went. And just start pounding him. I know, I know. But Frank Mir, I know, because I just think, I think that, one, it's, it's, it's also, it should be a good big payday for Stipe. He deserves yeah. it. He deserves yeah. it. He's, he's, he's arguably the best heavyweight. He's defended the title. I think he deserves the payday more than Brock. I think he will give Jones more problems than Brock will. Of course. And it'll be a better fight. So why would you want to see a subpar fight with a, a Roy and I don't want to – I only want to see it because the buildup will be hilarious. Um, oh, but, you just want to see it for the <laughs> – But, like, the actual fight itself is going to be a letdown. But yeah. but I'll get excited to watch. Every time Brock walked to the cage, I would get, like – something about that guy. He has that star – quality. He Wouldn't has, you guys rather see Brock Lesnar versus Francis Ngannou? I feel like that'd be a oh, little no. bit more fair, dude. No, that would be, Francis, Francis would cough and Brock would run out of the fucking octagon. I, I'd, love to see, uh, I'd love to see John Jones and Ngannou. That's the fight I would probably like to see most of. Really? Them. Yeah, because uh, Jones is obviously a better fighter, but Ngannou just has to touch it. It's only once, so I would love to see that fight. Now, He's who do right. you think wins Brock Lesnar that in UFC 100 that beat Frank Mir or the best version of John Jones, like who, like before pre diverticulitis John Brock Lesnar versus John Jones. I, still, still John Jones. It uh, Brock doesn't like getting hit. If he can't take you down, it you saw with Kane Velasquez, he couldn't hold him down, couldn't keep him down. And Kane's not great standing up, but he just pieced him up after that when they fought. I was actually there about five rows up live, but I bet on that and made a ton of money because everybody kept saying, "Oh, Brock gonna run right through him." I was like, "You can't." He's not going to be able to hold Kane down. I was like, once they start standing Brock, as soon as he gets hit, watch against Shane Carwin. First time he gets touched, he runs away with his hands over his face, like running the opposite direction. It's just uh, not uh, – I know someone that trains with him all the time. You'd probably be able to figure it out by someone I'm friends with. But someone trains with said Brock, they told him uh, – they paid him 2000 a week to go spar with Brock and said, hey, Brock doesn't like getting hit, so go about like 30%. And uh, he's like, well, that's not going to do Brock any good. It was Pat Berry, okay? Yeah. But, uh, Pat Berry said, <laughs> that's not gonna, he said it's not going to do Brock any good, only get hit 30%. 
he said, well, he doesn't like getting hit. He goes, well, he's going to get hit in a fight. So, and he was trying to explain to him, you got to, you got to take some shots, get used to it. And so then Brock just comes in and mauls him and he wants to, he can only go 30% to keep him off of him. And he's like, man, I can't keep him off me at 30%. You know, I got to like sting him a little bit. And they're like, no, just we're paying you just go easy on him. And it shows when he fights, man. Like I would love to spar if people can only go 30%. That'd be amazing. I'd spar every day. Have you ever, tra- have you ever trained with Brock or no? No, just met him one time. Uh, he wasn't nearly as big as I thought he was. Of course, I'm a giant, but uh, he was probably about 6'3", man. He wasn't as big as I thought he was. Uh, I mean, muscular dude, bigger dude, but not uh, not the monster you see on TV. Not to me, anyway. So, I was a little surprised. But I've heard both ways. I've heard he's the nicest guy in the world, and I've heard he's the biggest prick in the world from different people. So Yeah, but he, but he still doesn't deserve – I mean, out of the two, he doesn't deserve the shot as much – as Stipe does. Stipe, of course Stipe. not. He doesn't, he doesn't, so, so why, like, fuck it. Give the good, give the people the better fight. Of course. Give the people, not, the, not the fucking sideshow fight, because that's a sideshow fight compared to a Stipe and Jones. That's a real fucking real fight. I think Brock Lesnar is the sideshow fight, and that's why I just don't, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know. I'm not a. You're going to watch it though, right? Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it was still it was cool weird, shit, uh, Talk about pro wrestling. Somebody was talking trash about Stone Cold Steve Austin the other day, and I told him, hey, listen, no matter what, you got to respect the fact that that guy would pretend fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. So, <laughs> That's true. I don't know. So yeah. speaking about real fighters, we got Justin James here. Justin James, uh, who's an awesome fighter. He took his first fight in the UFC on three days' notice. And knocked out Frank Camacho. Uh, what were you? Five to one underdog? Six to one? Uh, I think uh, the best line I found was like plus three twenty-five or something. You know, it was a it, it was a big dog, but you know, as I start throwing these hands, man, I'm never a dog when I'm throwing hands. Did you bet on? Yeah. You actually bet on yourself or no? No, I didn't. I I, I don't. I, I try not to bet because then I'll be even more bummed out if I lose. <laughs> yeah. Your next fight, uh, also against a stud. You almost won. You, uh, that guy, you were so close. That first round, you hit him with an uppercut. That, and then how close were you to finishing that guillotine? Talk to me. Uh, so, yeah, I hit him with the uppercut, and uh, I knew he was dazed. And, uh, when he, you know, he, he gave me his neck. I snatched in that guillotine, man, and that was so tight. You know, I'd like to say, you know, I'm good at a couple things, but I'm really good at the guillotine joke, man. And that was arguably one of the tightest guillotines I've ever, ever had in competition. Honestly, Adam, you know, it's – it had his pants not falling down. I don't know if I'm making an excuse, but, you know, if you, if you watch the fight, I have my guard locked around, uh, like, his waistline, right on his pant line. Uh, and his pants fell down, which, which uh, you know, caused me to lose the choke and lose my leverage in my position, man. Gavin's a, a, a Henzo Gracie black belt. Dude, the freaking stud. I heard him gurgling. I thought he was going to go to sleep. And next thing I know, you know, I was in danger for the last 20 seconds of the fight. He transitioned beautiful from the guillotine to the side choke. It was a crazy fight, man. He's, he's a tough, tough dude, and uh, I wish him the best in his future, man. But uh, just, to get out of that, just to get out of that guillotine is tough for him. You think the pants fell out on purpose? I'm, uh, yeah, you know, it's, the, the funny is that there, there's, there's been times that we always talk, joke around about, you know, pulling our opponent's pants down in the fight, you know. But so ESPN came around, and I was the first pull someone's pants down so let's go wow no i'm saying do you think that he knew he was about to, he was about to choke so he actually got his pants out on purpose to get out of there uh no no i i don't think so uh just the way my guard was la- uh, latched around his uh his waistline uh it just you know they just happened to slide down you know he had the, the reebok spandex shorts on under which is a slick uh slick material and uh, it just slid down man it was just uh 
it was just a weird situation, you know, kind of ruined my night, but it is what it is, man. Like I said, Gavin's a tough dude and uh, he survived the storm, dude. I gave him everything. Well, listen, man, I was, I'm super proud of you. I mean, uh, you, you, you've been around for a while. You, you grew up in uh, Michigan. You yep. were a wrestler. You fought in all kinds of promotions. You were in Bellator. You were on a six-fight win streak. I mean, you've been around. Um, did you think to, to yourself, like, man, maybe this is not going to happen, this whole UFC dream? Dude, man, it's, it's uh, you know, this year was kind of a depressing year. You know, uh, I fought James Warfield last year. Uh, like, it was, like, May 31st of last year or May 30th or something like that. And, uh, you know, my manager's like, all right, you're in, dude. You're in. You know, we'll have you fighting by the end of the year. And then 2020 came, and I still don't have a fight, still don't have a contract. January comes, nothing. February comes, nothing. March comes, COVID hits. Now I'm super depressed. I'm kicked out of the gym because, you know, the gym shut down because of COVID. I don't have any income at all. I'm fucking crying like a little bitch. I find out they had a fallout uh, for Austin Hubbard, and then my teammate Max uh, uh, Max Rakskoff gets the call, puts me even more depression. And days later, Jason calls and said, you want to fight tomorrow? I said, bet, let's go. Wow, good for you. That was amazing. You. Now yeah, your first fight, you, you went oh, out sorry. guns. You, you like went out guns blazing. Did you know you only had one round of gas tank in you, and you were just like, "Fuck it." You know, I know a lot of people said that, but you know, this whole COVID, you know, I've been training hard, man, and I've been keeping my weight low. Uh, you know, I, I was ready to go three rounds, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I have no really interest in wrestling. I knew, I knew the kind of Frank, I, uh, I knew what Frank was going to bring to the table. I knew it was going to be a phone booth style kind of fight. I figured we'd just touch elbows and uh, both of us would just swing punches and uh, try and get fight of the night. Sure as shit, I was lucky to, you know, land uh, two left hooks right in a row barely missed with an overhand and was able to sit him down and uh going for the finish well i was, uh, I, was gonna, I was gonna say something man you had from that head clash you had one of the worst cuts and you just fucking kept going oh yeah yeah man it's looking wow. good though yeah man, it's good no you were you had and you just it, it, i have seen some some cuts and i was like what the fuck and you still just kept just like okay I'm cut. Let's go. And I, that was the one thing I, because I looked at it, I, I watched a bunch of your fights. I was like, that was the one where I was like, this dude really is going for it. Because you got, I mean, it was like, pow. And you went, all right, let's go, buddy. And oh, you yeah. just kept going. So, yeah. It looks I mean, good, though. Right. I, it, it's, it's healed up. I think it's healed up pretty good. And, you know, what, what a lot of people don't understand, you know, especially in the MMA community, you know, it's, I've been doing this since 2007. Everything I've worked for, or since 2007, I was a high school, uh, I was a high school wrestler. 2007 started my first competi MMA competition. 2007, so for the last 13 years, I've been working towards this exact moment—a short notice fight against a, a, a well-known guy. It was Frank's seventh fight in the UFC. I literally, you know, I see a lot of guys they fight not to win, or excuse me, they fight not to lose. I, you know, I went in there guns blazing, and uh, there, there was nothing. There, you know, there, uh, Khabib, uh, Khabib wouldn't have stopped me that night. I was on point. I was in shape. And uh, I was throwing heavy hands, man. That's that was all. That was 13 years of work put into 41 seconds. So, you know, it's I, I, I at that point I didn't feel anybody could stop me at that night. That's awesome. Now, um, Max Rock, you talk about Max. Max is a buddy of mine, and I felt so bad when, uh, you know, what happened with him and his coach. He's the guy that like he, he's like he he like quit on himself. He quit. He quit. He quit. Coach said no, come back in. I understand why the coach did that. I think that's a good coach right there. I would have done the same thing if I was his coach. Um, he's been cut from the UFC, which I think is unfortunate because the kid's a legit stud wrestler, great at jiu-jitsu, great fighter. And I think he's got a huge career ahead of him. I still do. How's he doing? Have you talked to him? What's going on with him? 
you know, I saw right after I fought, I, I talked to him for a couple minutes. He wished me congratulations. And I haven't seen or heard from him uh, since June 20th, man. You know, I was, I was really worried about him, uh, you know, his mental, you know, capacity. Cause I knew he got a lot of, a lot of flack for what happened. Uh, you know, I know Max, I trained with Max and, you know, I, I, man, I wish I, I wish I could tell you something. I, he's such a tough guy and, and, you know, division one collegiate wrestler, he comes into the gym, he just rolls through everybody. He's arguably one of the best, if not the best grappler in the gym. And I, I dude, I had, there had to be an underlying issue. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure thousands of people literally have reached out to him to figure it out. So I didn't want to be one of those guys, but knowing Max, knowing how tough and strong he is, there had to be something else. There had to be something else going on. And it's, I just, he's competed at the top of the level in, in one-on-one competition. Division one wrestling is arguably to me, the hardest sport in the whole world And for him to compete there. And then, you know, there had to be something, man. It's, yeah. I'm, I haven't talked to him. I haven't trained with him since. Uh, I, I hope he's doing all right. Now you're one of the coaches over at uh, Extreme Couture. Yeah. Uh, are you in Gano's coach? Uh, yeah, I'm his training partner. I'm his number one sparring partner. Are you really? No. Oh, no. No, oh. no we, uh, we train. He's, he's a teammate, man. It's, uh, Francis is a great guy, very quiet, very humble, comes into the gym, doesn't, doesn't talk too much to, you know, uh, uh, to a lot of people, I should say. Uh, Eric Nixick, I believe, is his head coach right now. And, uh, you know, I, haven't, I, I just, I'm just slowly getting back to the gym now since I fought Gavin. Uh, and I haven't seen Francis this week. Uh, I'm going to go in in probably an hour or so. And he might be there, he might not, but super cool, super humble guy. I heard that, like, he doesn't know how to go light, though. Like, his going light is knocking people out cold by accident. Like, he's actually well, not trying to do it. Is that true? I, I, would, I would believe so. I don't know. I'm, I've, I've been fortunate enough to never feel, uh, you know, any of his punches. Uh, but just look at his size alone, man. If his 100% can decapitate me, his 50% can still put me in the hospital. So, you know, when you're, when you're talking about a guy with those kind of attributes, that kind of strength, that kind of size, he's probably going light and he's still fucking guys up, man. It's like, I don't, I don't want to be on one of those kicks or one of those, I'll tell you that. Uh, McCorkle. So we have the great Sean McCorkle here, the guy who uh, submitted Mark Hunt in one minute. Uh, any uh, questions for the great Justin James? Uh, I don't know, man. How about um, do you? I always wanted to always ask other fighters. Do you dread it as much as I dreaded an hour before the fight? Like, do you sit there and question every life decision you've made up to that point, right before you fight, and decide you don't want to do it, and think it's I'm not doing this. I can't believe this. And dear God, please don't let me get embarrassed. Like, I don't care if I break both arms both legs just I want to win and not be embarrassed I just, I'm curious if anybody else goes through that or if it's just me well I'll be honest and say uh that happens every fucking time <laughs> except yeah. the Frank fight. the Frank Camacho fight uh you know when I was warming up uh leading up to going from the residence in where they they put us uh to the to the uh performance institute or the apex uh, on the way there, I was like, what the, f-? for me, everything happened so fast. You know, my, my manager called me Wednesday night. I had medicals all day Thursday. I had five different doctor appointments on Thursday. I started cutting weight about 10 p.m. Thursday night. I got on weight about 6 a.m. And then I weighed in. So that whole time, I was, you know, I didn't really have time to comprehend what was going on. I thought it was a dream. I've dreamt about the moment for so long. I really didn't know how to feel about it. Everything just happened too quick. Starting my warm-up, I'm like, what the fuck's going to happen? I'm fighting Frank Camacho. This guy's fought in the UFC seven times. I'm probably going to get knocked out. And then, you know, I start warming up. As I start getting a sweat going, I just remember feeling that feeling of invincibility. And I started cracking the mitts. And I was like, damn, I, I'm, I can punch through these fucking walls right now. Uh, and then, you know, obviously 40 seconds later, I, I uh, you know, came on top. But to answer your question, dude, every time, especially through training camp, you know, it's just like wrestling. You have good days and bad days. I get my ass whipped 
you know, by some guys on, on the regional circuits, like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, or even amateurs, you know, there's, there's a couple times during my training camp to 145 and mind you, I've never fought or I've never made weight at 145. Like I got subbed by an amateur in a couple of my sessions. Like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm supposed to be, you know, competing in the best organization in the world. I got subbed by an amateur. What the fuck am I doing here right now? So, uh, again, back to your question. Uh, yeah, maybe I, it doubts the whole way, but you know what? Cream rises to the top in all situations. You know, even if I take a couple losses, eventually I'm going to be at the top and I'm going to be knocking people out next fight. Wean Dog, any questions for the great Justin James? No, man, I'm a big fan. Uh, I look forward to watching your future fights, dude. That's pretty much it. Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate you. And, and, and right now, you know, I'm trying to jump back in as quick as possible. You know, 145 is it's a it's a very tough weight cut for me. I walk around about 170, 175, and this short notice, three week stuff is tough for 45. But I, I, as I told Sean, as I told Dana, I'm always ready at 155. I can be on weight in two days. Uh, but if they want me to go back down to 145, I need minimum six weeks. And, and I genuinely think that was the biggest. Uh, factor fighting Gavin Tucker is I just didn't have the gas to go along with it uh with such a hard weight cut but I, I appreciate your guys' support Adam you know I've, I've always uh you know supported you through the years and so on and so forth and uh I, I appreciate the reciprocation uh having me on 100% man well where can people find you uh uh Justin Jane's MMA on Twitter uh J-A-Y-0-9-M-I on Instagram or uh just Justin Jane's on Facebook man and again I appreciate all the support I get thank you brother take care hey you guys have a good day all right and I'm telling you, man, a lot of people, you like, you said you, you know, you get, you get scared ahead of time and you question everything, but I don't know. I feel like that goes away. It's, it's even what, if you're a comic or even when love, like back, back in the 1900s when I actually liked <laughs> it in the face. <laughs> no, was it the 1800s when I, when I used to like to get punched in the face. Now don't punch me in the face. But um, I think that uh, you, you, once you start feeling good, you say, yeah, it's on. And I feel like way with comedy, I don't get nervous. Um, as soon as I get on stage, I'm, I'm fine. I don't I, – I, I, I love to always find once the fight started, I was good. It was just leading up to it. It's like – it's funny because like five hours before, you're like, I just want to get it over with, man. I don't want to think about this anymore. And then the, the 20, 30 minutes before, it's like, no, it's coming too fast. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Like, you don't want to go out. But the only time I wasn't like that, for whatever reason, was when I fought Mark Hunt, my first fight in UFC. I think because it was all so surreal. The whole thing didn't even seem like – I remember walking out there and looking across the cage, and I was like, dude, you're getting ready to fight Mark Hunt in the UFC in your hometown in front of 20,000 people. And I had just fought at a bar three months earlier in front of, like, 100 people, you know. And uh, I, I was always like, Mark Hunt was one of my favorite fighters. It was so surreal, man. And then I thought, if I get knocked out, what do people expect? So there was, like, no pressure at all. But I was positive. That was the only fight I was ever 100% positive I was going to win, and I don't have any idea why. I just – I kept – I don't know. No, I just no, believed no, it. Yeah. I just – yeah, it was, like, it was like God told me or something. I was like there's – because I'd had a real – I'd gotten divorced, had a lot of really terrible stuff, lost all my money, went from being a millionaire to having nothing all in the previous year. So it was like I, I just believed that God would bring along this opportunity just to kick me in the balls again, you know. And uh, so I was like convinced I was going to beat him. And even when he was piecing me up at first, I was like, that's all right. I'm going to submit you anyway. But then – the next fight I had against Stephen Struve, I was convinced I was going to lose. I don't know why, but I was convinced I was going to lose. And sure now, enough, the, Mar the Mark Hunt fight, that was the same card as Congo Pot Barry, right? Uh, no, no. It was the same. It was um, – main event was Crow Cop and Frank Mir. Uh, Mitrione fought Joy Beltran. Uh, Chris Lytle fought Matt Serra. But uh, oh, yeah. I don't remember who the co-main event was. But, no, I was the first fight of the night. It was funny. Uh, came out, and for in Indianapolis, the first UFC ever here, so the entire place was packed. Um, and they, uh, they told us we had to get right in the cage. 
they said repeatedly, listen, you have to get it. We're on a tight schedule. I immediately engaged. But as I walked up the stairs, I thought I'm probably going to get one chance to do this. So I stopped and turned and walked about 10 steps around half the cage and put my arms out to the crowd and made everyone cheer for me for like 25 <laughs> seconds. I just sat there with everybody cheering for me or whatever. And they ended up liking it. But um, I, was, I was afraid they were going to be mad about it. Yeah, but I, uh, I was like, oh, this will be the one time I ever get to do this. So How much, how much pussy? How much pussy? I, mean, I remember me and you, we used to fight on Twitter all the time. as we became friends. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you texted me and you said, hey, man, if you ever come out to Indiana – I know every hot chick in Indiana. And you're like, I will get you laid so fast. Trust me, come out and stay with me. And I was like, I love this guy. So uh, after that night, right? That night you just beat Mark Hunt. Are you just, is it threesomes, foursomes? Was it? No, dude, I actually, I went home that night and I went to the after party for a little while and everybody was being real weird, treating me different, even people I knew, like all hugging me and all over me. It was real weird. So I left and went home. And then I had, when I got, I looked, I had like 12,000 Facebook friend requests, um, like immediately. And all of a sudden I had like 40,000 followers on Twitter. And then I was on the front page, UFC.com the next day. Wow. And then I, I didn't like me. And it actually scared me a little bit how fast everything changed. Like my life changed literally overnight. Everybody was treating me different. I had all kind of interview, like the, you know, the local newspapers on the TV wanted to talk to me and uh, everybody, I mean, just inbox filled with messages from girls even girls that I had asked out before that turned me down um, were trying to like, you know, like, Hey, we should hang out sometime. I'm like, Hey, remember this? And I sent them a picture of when I asked them to hang out and they didn't want to, I was like, no, thanks. I've upgraded, you know? Um, and uh, I, uh, but everybody got weird, man. I had people like everybody, no one offered me anything, just asking for things like everybody I've ever known. Hey, I'd love to coordinate your next fight. Like, dude, I haven't seen you since sixth grade. Now you're asking me for something. Hey, can you give me tickets to your next fight? Like, sure. Why don't I put you on the list of, people I want to do something for, you know? Yeah, so I, mean, I still, I still I mean, get it. I get I mean, fast forward to your last fight when you said I was the only one to text you, keep your head up, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the only one I heard from. Yeah. On uh, the only one at all I heard from, I didn't hear it before or after it's like, it didn't even happen, which the fight barely happened anyway. I thought I was in such terrible condition. I never should have fought that fight, but I beat a dude in 30 seconds at Bellator. So I figured like he was 275 when we weighed in at Bellator. I figured it would be no, I mean, I, was, I knew I couldn't train. My back was hurt. But I was like, I'll submit this dude quick. I beat him so fast at Belter. He comes in at 232 with abs. Like he said, he tells me before the fight, yeah, man, uh, I knew it was pretty much my last chance. So I moved to American Top Team. I just trained for the last 16 weeks for this fight. Um, you know, I got the best shape of my life. I was like, awesome, because I haven't trained even once. Because my back Dude, was so you bad. You couldn't walk so, part of the diner. I'm not kidding. I met, you were like, you literally couldn't walk. Yeah. And you're like, I'm fighting in three days. Um, I, I was trying to talk you out of it. But what I'm trying to say is that when people that like, they realize it's not, you can't get too wrapped up in people love you when you're winning. It's like, it's like Bill Burr used to, to do a bit uh, back a long time ago about how, like when you run a, how Los Angeles and women and all these people, it's like you run a marathon by yourself. And then at the, yeah. end, at the end, everyone's waiting for you to cross the finish line. Going, we did it, we did it. And like, right. we did it. Like, where the fuck were you the last twenty-seven miles? <laughs> right, dude. It's when I, I. This is the honest truth. I probably never even told you by this. When I lost to Stephen Struve, I had so many people turn on me. People I know even treat me different. Like friends of mine act different to me because I lost to one of the best fighters in the world. You know what I mean or whatever. And so, so I completely lost all desire to ever fight again after that fight. I didn't want. I didn't want it anymore. I didn't want to be a part of this. I was like, it's my first loss ever. And when I saw how everyone turned on me, I was like, fuck you guys, man. Like everybody. You know what I mean or whatever. I was like, every. I had hundreds of messages. Yeah, fuck you, piece of shit. That's what you get. Like 
I'm like, what am I, Brendan Schaub? Come on. But um, no, I, uh, <laughs> I, I was getting hate from everybody. And I was like, I fought bad and I got beat up. But I mean, isn't that punishment enough that I lost the money and got beat up? So, on it's so part so of the million. I always crazy. tell people, they're like, hey, any advice to, uh, uh, I want to do my own podcast. Or I want to do a, I go, yeah, man, be there for, for the fighters when they lose. There's always going to be a loser every fight. And everyone jumps, yeah. everyone jumps on the winner. But the loser also gave his fucking shot. And also, that dude's going to win again. And he's right. going to remember that you weren't there for you. Or a lot of guys don't, you know. But that's fucking Hollywood in a nutshell. Shang, at one point, I mean, you're obviously one of my favorite comics. And you're a beast on stage. At one point, you had deal after deal after deal. Uh, I remember, I mean, you had, you had a, a one-man show, uh, Shangri. I think it was on Broadway. And, yeah, and you were getting write-ups from like, and you were getting write-ups from like Spike Lee and stuff, and people like were coming to you. I mean, did you notice the difference of people that were on your dick when you were quote unquote maybe hotter than versus when you weren't? Um, no, I think that when I got sick, I could tell when people when I got real sick um, from my kidneys, and I could see I could tell when people started acting differently. Like, oh well, he can't do none of that shit now. He's sick, and um, so. I, that's when I started weeding people out and people that were really were not about it. And I didn't get mad at them. I know how that is. I mean, when, you know, even when I would look at comics that I knew for years when they change up on me and I'd be like, dude, I know you. I pulled your head out of a fucking toilet in Fort Wayne. So yeah, don't even, yeah. I know you. And, <laughs> and, they, no, and then now you're acting goofy with me. And I, but I have a tendency to pull them to the side and check them. I'll pull him to the side and go, yo, motherfucker, first off, violence can happen at any moment. Uh, a lot of these dudes ain't about it. No, they're not. A lot of comics are not about it. They're, they're, come on. Right. <laughs> Secondly, no, I mean, I've, had, I've had glimpses of success. You know, I've been the last comic or Tonight Show. Extremely people, well. People, people, people come out of the woodwork. All of a sudden, people you haven't seen in eight, nine years. Like, hey, man, so yeah, proud oh, yeah. of you. Like, people went to high school with, they're kind of like, hey, man, when, when are we going to get, I'm like, the fuck were you when I was looking through quarters to my fucking, my, you know, when I literally, I, I remember literally driving to San Diego to do a gig. I had enough money to get gas to San Diego. I had not enough money to get back. I had no money for gas. And I had to like sell, t I had to sell DVDs and stuff. But if I, go, I go, if I don't sell any DVDs, I can't get back. I don't know how the fuck I get back. Like if I have a bad set, like I don't, I'm, I would still be in San Diego right now. You know, like. That, <laughs> Years later. Like he never came back. Where'd he go? I don't know. No, um, I think that, no, you, you've always, but see, the thing is, I've known you from the times when you were getting Last Comic Standing and all that good stuff in The Tonight Show, but I seen your work ethic, so I knew that anywhere it goes, you're going to be okay. Like, yeah. I know, because I know my work ethic, and I, I could tell. And the reason I, I, I wanted to find out, McCork, you said it, it's just like, the reason that comedy is so much better than fighting is something about me when I was doing that, I actually enjoyed being hit. And I know that sounds fucking psychotic, but <laughs> if I didn't get hit hard, it would, I wouldn't get going, if that makes sense. I don't know yeah, if that's does, yeah. retarded, but like if somebody hit me, then I'd be like, oh, okay, now motherfucker's well, going. The, the reason the comedy I think is easier than fighting is because if I have a bad night, let's say I bomb a uh, fucking horrendous right? The, the, the next night though, I could actually do a do a show, you know, the next night. Whereas if you have a bad night and you get knocked out, sometimes you got to wait six months for another fight. And in that six months is when you got the depression happens, or this or that. You got that's it, it, it's the fact. And then also, it's like anything else. Like, you know, you, you can't 
if you're any advice, people listening, you can't let your highs get too high. You can't get your lows too, too low. And you can't sure. talk about all the other people because what happens is like a lot of people get depressed after they win. And you're like, wait, but you won because you're like so high and all of a sudden you're not. And as a comic, sometimes I, like when I open for Russell Peters and I'm, or maybe a bad example for the hotel, but sometimes you do like 5,000 people and everyone's like, ah, and the laughter's going through you. And it's like fucking heroin. It's like, you're like, this is the greatest. I don't want to get off stage. My life will not be as good when I leave this stage. One foot off, it's not as no. good. And then but, but that, that fucking that laughter, it's like going through. You make it, you're, you're looking down and people are crying and their eyes are wide. They're like, oh my God. And then an hour later, two hours later, you can't sleep because you're up from the rush. And I'm at the Motel 6 and, and, and there's roaches everywhere. And, I, and I'm oh, staying at some shitty fucking place. I'm a star. And then I turn on the TV and I see these whack ass comedians on uh, The Tonight Show or whoever. No, no. Like, and then you go on the internet and everybody on your fucking Facebook face is like, just booked a fucking blah, blah, blah and just did that and my life is great and I just closed up my first house. And you're like, what the fuck? You're like, well, what, what do I, and I can't sleep and now I'm depressed and I miss that love. And you get that fucking lull of like, get me back on stage, get me back on, like that's, that's hard. That's fucking but you, you, you don't think that, well, after you did Last Comic Standing, which was awesome, it's fucking awesome, um, and you made it all the way to that round, I mean, but you know what? I think that, okay, this is going to sound corny, and don't nobody make fun of me. Nobody, when you fucking listen to this, don't you inbox me. My, I bullshit my sons. I totally, that shit all went away. That feeling of, oh, fuck, I'm hot. As soon as I started, I would kick it with my sons. For some reason, we, we love watching Transformers. Transformers is a shit, by the way. Don't, Fuck yeah. don't whoever can make fun of me. I still like Transformers, and I'm a grown man. Um, I would it would go away. No, I would, I would feel one, like one million percent. Since I've had a child, I honestly like an hour before this, I was in the we have a garage with a bounce house with my wrestling room that I converted has a bounce house. And my kids in there, the two friends, they're jumping around, and I'm playing like the party freeze dance song, <laughs> and they're laughing, and and I'm like. I don't ever want to leave. This is the greatest. This is the best. And this is better than anything. And so getting a hug from my daughter is, is that's better than that. And I understand like, Sean, you actually gave up WWE, right? They wanted you in a... Yeah. I had a contract offer, a really good one from them, but uh, they said, you got to be on the road uh, 300 nights a year. And I was like, can I do it like half as many for half the money? And they were like, no. I said, what about like half as many nights for a quarter of the money? And they were like, no, it's, Everybody has to do the same schedule except Barack. He's the only one that gets a special schedule. And I said, I'm not going to be away. I'm not. I talked to Kevin Nash, the original Big Sexy, about it. And uh, I said, man, I said, I actually saw him at an event, was talking to him. And uh, I said, would you do it if you were me? I've got an offer. He said, well, how's your body? You healthy? I was like, no, I got a real bad back. He said, well, that's strike one, you know? And he said, what about, uh, he said, like, uh, you got kids? I said, yeah, I got a little boy and a little girl. And he asked me how old. You know, I think at the time they were maybe 14 and 11, you know, or something. And, uh, he said, man, I'll tell you this. He said, I've, he said, I've spent so many years on the road, how many years it was. He goes, I'd wake up in hotels in the middle of the night and not even know what country I was in because we were doing a worldwide tour and everything oh. looks the same after a while. And he said, uh, I have a son that hates my guts, a wife I barely know. Um, and he goes, yeah, and I got a $2 million house on a lake and all this and that. He said, but when I'm home, you know, I'm either fighting with my son or fighting with my wife or whatever. Not to put his dirty laundry out there, but um, he said, uh, he said, my kids are, you know, my son's resentful because I was never there. Um, you know, he said, my wife, we, you know, have trouble cause I was always, you know, running around doing whatever. And, 
Um, he said, I wouldn't do it for all the money in the world if I was you. He said, but it's up to you. And I lost all interest in that moment, man, when he said that, because that's a guy that already did it, made the money, got it big, and he said it's not worth uh, – all the money in the world's not worth it. And he wouldn't do it over again if he could. So, One of the funniest stories, Sean, not to change the topic, was your <laughs> ex-wife in court – they had to read the text. But you, what, what, what? Yeah, that was amazing. Will you, will you, you want me to tell that story? Please tell that story. <laughs> All right. So we were ordered by the court to be um, civil with each other, even in texts and emails, you know. So um, she would send me the most hateful stuff ever. Like just constantly send me hateful stuff. Talk just all the time. So uh, one time I had an email from a long time ago where she said, well, I'll tell this part first. So they were going to make me, he goes, be ready to read any text or emails you've sent her. If they were hateful in court, they're going to make you read them out loud uh, in front of the judge and in your, like your email to her out loud. And I, that like, like sparked my mind when he said that. I was like, okay, so that by, you know, reasons she's going to have to read out loud too. So I start scouring through my emails. I've got every email I've ever gotten since 2002 still on my AOL. I'm still on AOL because I'm that old, but um, still get the chat rooms, the man for man, things like that. No, but I, uh, so I get on there and I find one when we first split up where she sent me an email that said that you think just because you have a huge dick, you're going to be able to get any girl you want. That's not the way it works, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so my lawyer tells me, I said that, I print that out and I changed the date um, to, uh, it was from 2005, I think, or whatever, 2007. I changed it to like recently, you know, like five years, like changed a little date with a uh, Photoshop. And so I print it out and I highlight that part because he told me to highlight anything we want her to read, you know, out loud in court. <laughs> So I, when he hands me, they make me read a bunch of shit just where I was like, oh, you're an idiot. Quit being mean to my kids. Things like that. You know what I mean? Like her new, her new last name is Bop, B-O-P-P, -P, but she makes, uh, she makes her husband pronounce it Bope. So like whenever she would talk shit to me, I'd be like, I hop not like H-O-P-P, -P, you know, just to be a, a dick, you know, whatever. So I would like put stuff like that back to her. So she, they make me read that, which doesn't make sense. So they're like, uh, now they're going to make her read her stuff. So I put that one on very top and my lawyer hasn't seen it. So he hands her the paperwork. It's highlighted. He goes, would you read the highlight portion for me? He goes, this is you speaking to your ex-husband, correct? And she's like, yes. Uh, she looks at the email address. Yeah, I guess so. And she said, would you read the highlighted portion? And she said, um, you think because you have a huge dick, you're going to be able to get any girl you want. That's not the way it works. And my lawyer looks at me like, you son of a bitch. Like, you, <laughs> like look at me like, that's the one you put on top. And I just like, it was, it was my only goal to get it on public record that in her expert opinion, I have a huge PB. So, <laughs> so that was a... Uh, what you know, it's say? somewhere on the public record somewhere. Um, Were people laughing? Uh, I laughed. I don't know. It was it was ridiculous, man. Like it was the funniest. It was the funniest. The, her lawyer kept her lawyer kept insinuating I was gay, and I kept insinuating her lawyer was homophobic because she was trying to make me mad, right? So she was like, "It says here you travel to wrestle to Lafayette three days a week. What's that?" I said, "I, I go wrestle with Purdue's wrestling team." She was, "Why would you do that?" I said, "Because well, I fight for a living. I wrestle." She goes, "So you probably like wrestling with little boys, huh?" And I was like, "Yes." I just went ahead and went with her. Like, okay, yes. <laughs> and she goes, you do like wrestle with little boys, right? I was like, yeah, it's easier than men. And uh, she was sitting there, she kept saying stuff. And I was like, is there something wrong with that? Like, it seems like you're a little homophobic. Like, I just kept like, you know, like saying stuff back to her, no matter what she said. At one point she asked me if I was an accountant. I just said, yes. Like, you know what I mean? Or whatever. I just go with whatever, whatever she went. Cause she, she asked me if I ever cheated on my taxes before. I said, yes. And she goes, when? I said, in 2005, my brother bought my business from me, gave me a hundred thousand dollar cash down payment. I didn't report that on my taxes. Uh, my ex-wife, we were married at the time. She knows about it because she didn't report on her taxes either. That's how you know about it. Oh, wow. And the lawyer was like, the lawyer's like, oh, really? I wonder if they, she's like, I wonder if the IRS would like to know about that. And I said, actually, it's been eight years. Uh, the IRS has a statute of limitations of seven years. So it really doesn't matter what the IRS thinks about it right now, to be honest with you. And uh, like, I just had her at every, at every turn, man. I just smoked her. It was so funny. Um, wow.
But uh, yeah, she couldn't outsmart me. Just kept insinuating I was gay. It was the funniest thing ever. That's a bro. You know, one time they were trying to get me. She asked me if I had a Rolex, and I said yes, I do. How did you get a Rolex? I saw my mom gave it for me to my birthday or for my birthday one year, and she was like, um, "Okay, so when did she give it to you?" And I was like, "I don't remember." You have no idea when you got a twenty thousand dollar watch. I was like, "It's not a twenty thousand dollar watch," but no, I don't remember. She goes, "Give me a ballpark," and I was like, "Well." And my ex-wife's husband, or new husband, family, everybody's there, right? I was like, well, it was right before she cheated me. Or I said, right after I bought her fake boobs in Beverly Hills and right after she cheated on me the second time. So probably 2004, I think. I'm not sure. And uh, it was the, the most embarrassing. Everybody was just like, holy shit, like in the courtroom. It was so great. So Adam Carolla is trending right now. Did you guys see what happened today? What happened? Uh, what do you say? He says, turns out the people dying from COVID are old or sick or both. How many of you pussies got played? And who's going to get played the next time? Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. Ha! Ah. Ah. Uh, McCorkle, thoughts? Uh, I said countdown to him saying he got hacked, but probably not. Corolla's, I actually know him a little bit, man. Uh, he's always been really nice to me. Um, he's, got, uh, he's got some balls. I don't know how he's still making it in Hollywood out there with his political views. I thought they would have ran him out of town by now, man. Well, he's not really making it in Hollywood. He makes it on the podcast, which is – podcast you know, is big, but that's it. Is that all he does anymore? I, well, he, I mean, he, his podcast is huge. He also does, like, a live show, you know, with right. travels with the live show. Um, he's yeah. always been really nice to me, too. Uh, I mean, look, I never met him. But even if everyone is sick or old, we still have to look out for those people. I mean, it's not like, like fuck those people, you know? And if you can give them that uh, – I, I, look, I, I have my own thoughts on this. My own, I, I don't know the answer. That's, that's my thoughts. I don't know. I, depending on who you read, people say people 6% only died from COVID. Everyone else is something else. And then you go, well, what are the other things? I'm not a doctor. I know McCorkle, uh, you, you think everyone should just go about their business, right? And you refuse to wear a mask? No, I, I will not wear a mask, man. Not under any, unless, to be honest, if an old person, if it made them like nervous or something, I would do it for them just to be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as far as my own safety, I'm not, I'm not buying, I don't buy any of it. I, I think there's something so much bigger behind all this. We'll probably never know. I don't know if they thought it was a biological attack and we really were in danger. I don't know if it's a test run for if we do get biologically attacked. I don't know if it's to get Trump out of office. I don't know, like something, something to do this worldwide, something to get Trump out of office. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. That's what a lot of people say. Like, it's I did. That's, that's, another, that's a dumb theory. Trump fucks up Trump. Trump says dumb shit that fucks himself up. He doesn't need COVID. He already well, I'm saying the reason that doesn't make sense is because it's worldwide. That doesn't affect Trump. Like, it's, it's, I just think there's some, I have always believed there's bigger powers than the president, than whatever running this world, man. Like, I don't know if it's the Antichrist somewhere. I don't know if it's the Rothschild family. I don't know, like, what. I just think there's people behind the scenes moving things around and, uh, I don't know what, uh, there's something way bigger, because I know for sure the government doesn't care about our health. That's what I'm convinced of. So of I, I don't believe it's, and it's, it goes from, we just got to keep the, flatten the curve, keep from overrunning the hospitals, and they find out nobody's in the hospital. Well, we got to, we got to do this, we got to do that. My, my perspective is a little different too. My girlfriend is an epidemiologist. She got her master's in epidemiology and in infectious disease. So she can read all the CDC charts and understands. And she said from the beginning, a mask isn't going to protect you from anything, not a virus, you know what I mean, anyway. Um, doesn't protect you. The H1 mask or whatever that thing is will protect you, but no one else uh, because it leaves out your, you know, like um, whatever, whatever you're uh, breathing out it still goes in the air. And uh, she said from again, she asked her boss, uh, who is one of the top people at CDC or was one of the top people, said the masks are ridiculous. It's not going to protect anybody from anything. Um, it's like, it's just, I mean, insanity. Even Dr. Fauci was on film saying the masks 
don't work. They don't protect you in March. And then he changes his mind. But I don't know. I, I've heard a thousand theories on what it is. We'll probably never know. But it just doesn't. Uh, the whole thing, man, it seems like, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I've known what it feels. I feel like the whole world is changing massively over the past few months, man. Like everything has just shifted. Like oh, just I weird. Everything's weird, man. I agree. I agree with 100% with that. Now, I don't know. Um, I don't know the answers. I know um, I have to just keep, I know you have to keep being funny, putting out comedy, uh, being entertaining, doing our, our own best. And obviously I wear a mask because, not because I'm a sheep, because if it makes people feel safer, I'll wear the mask, you know? I think also the, one of the best things you can do is take care of your body though, and your health. Yeah. Just in general, you know? So it seems like people that are out of shape or eating like the worst, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a hypocrite, I, I eat like shit too, but at least I work out. Of course, you're going to have problems regardless of COVID or not, you know? Right. So, uh, oh, no, no, right. Uh, Dog, what are your thoughts on this? Adam Carolla's um, statement. On Carolla's thing? Um, I thought this was stuff we already have known for like the past six months that old people and people with underlying uh, health conditions are the ones most susceptible. I don't see anything wrong with what he's saying. Uh, if this is just in regards to the new CDC statement saying that only 9% of the total of 180,000, 170,000 deaths uh, are actually from COVID, I think that has to really be taken into consideration when we're locking down states in the entire country. Because is it really worth, you know, ruining the state's economy, uh, costing people their jobs for, you know, 9,000 actual deaths from the virus? It's just, and if you want to look at it that way, then go ahead. Or if you want to look at it like it doesn't matter if only 9,000 people, even if you have, you know, maybe if you're diabetic or whatever, you know, you still can get this and die. But I don't know. I don't, I, I believe in what uh, Sean was saying that the world is actually run by like reptilian aliens. I don't believe that the politicians <laughs> actually run anything. I think this is the, the, the game of politics and, you know, idolizing politicians. I think that's just you really believe that folk. reptilian aliens run the world for real. Not right. Like just a higher power, not like a spiritual power, but like a, an occultist power, like a evil cult, like the Illuminati or something, or the Freemasons, something like that. That has to be uh, who is actually running the Wait, world. That has, in my opinion. That, has yeah. that has to be. That has. It has to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because uh, this uh, stuff is just way too calculated, you know. Uh, Shang, your thoughts? Well, uh, I know that uh, two days ago I had to fight off a reptilian to get the last piece of toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> I know that that's part of their plan too. Is, to go after the toilet paper so well, none of us can wipe our ass and the reptiles win. Um, no, I just think, uh, I don't think it is a giant conspiracy. I think that sometimes nature goes, ah, fuck y'all. You know what, you're messing up the earth, fuck y'all. And, and humans are incompetent and we're, we're, we're tribal and that's why we're fucking up. And that's it. And they say, well, old people are sick people. Okay, uh, what if your father's old, you Adam Carolla, you silly bitch? And what, so fuck him, because he's old, only old people. Well, he's old. Or what if you got sick and you're young? What happens then? So fuck the sick people, because sick people get better. So, but fuck them. Okay, so uh, what Adam Carolla is saying is basically the same shit Trump does. You play to your base, you make where you can get your money and where you can get your most people following you and blah, blah, blah. And that's it. A lot of people are about tribalism instead of realism. And that is what it is. I mean, it's like I deal with it all the time, but I have a tendency to just go move forward, but some people can't. Some people can't just move forward. I just feel like, you know, some people are gonna get caught into the web of bullshit. And the bullshit is sometimes nature, viruses, colds, fuck you up, that's it. 
And why couldn't this be one of those cases? Instead of, well, it's a conspiracy. If not the Rothschilds, they definitely are doing a lot of dirt. I agree with you. Right. So come on, what are you, the, what are you blaming the Jews for? It's, everyone blames the Jews. Everybody, it's always the Jews. It's always the Jews. Here's the, here's the, one, thing, though, dude, but the, the one thing, really, I meant to say, the one, the one thing I want to say, like, we have to, we have to draw a line somewhere, man, because if, if the COVID thing, okay, we got to keep everybody safe, well, then make all the speed limits 10 miles an hour worldwide because no one will ever die from another car wreck if the speed limits are 10 miles an hour. They're not because we can't function and operate a society with 10 miles an hour. We can, it'll just kill all the economy or whatever. And then it's like, well, you know what? Then we have to do, everybody needs to stay safe all the time because a different flu bug can kill us. Then, I mean, where do you draw the line to where you say, well, cigarettes need to be illegal because people are dying from that, including secondhand smoke. And the people aren't dying have to pay taxes to pay for the people who don't have insurance that have like lung disease. It's like, at, at what point, how many, like you, they say you can't put a price on a, like human life, well, I know that 70 miles an hour, what, 100,000 people die in car crashes every year. If we took that to 10 miles an hour, it would, you would save all 70,000 of those people, or 100,000, whatever it is, of those people if we take it to 10 miles an hour. So why not do that? Why not make all, like, Coke and soda, Sprite is killing people. Let's make it, you can only drink water, because that's what's better for you. We can't save people. You know, people are being diabetic. You know, it's bad for kids. Let's get rid of that. I mean, at some point, you have to draw a line where you say, that's life, you know what I mean? Like the, you are gonna get sick, people are gonna die. And it's like kind of like Shane said on nature, sometimes nature does weed out the weak. And as sad as that is, that's the truth. You know, I mean, the, um, the you know, the old dude died, the sick dude You think it's the unknown element of it though? Because we didn't really know about the virus versus like well, the I, limit we kind of- I think know. they probably thought it was gonna be way worse than it is. But I also believe that everyone is gonna use it like, okay, maybe it wasn't brought about to get rid of Trump, but the Democrats are for sure going to try to use it to get rid of Trump. The Republicans are going to try to use it to keep him in office, whatever way they can spend it. You're not going to be safe if Trump's not, you know, president, and then they're, you know, you're going to die if he is. But everybody, I think, to what Shane was saying, I mean, to a degree, there is, you can't control everything because there is random things that happen, nature or whatever, but everybody seizes on it and tries to spin it to you, to their, um, to their benefit. And it's just like, I think everybody saw a chance to, uh, locking down the only, I don't know if you know Adam because you're from New York originally. Have you seen what's happening in New York? Like everybody's gone. The streets are empty. Manhattan is Dude, Los Angeles. Is, Los Angeles is right behind it. You drive around yeah. LA right now. Every business is closed. It's and insane, man. Tents everywhere. I mean, my, I want to take my kid to the park yesterday. We couldn't go to the park. I mean, not that right. I'm scared of homeless people, but th the entire park is homeless people, and right. and they shut off the fountains, and you can't go on the slide or anything. And I'm, because uh, that's, the playground's out. Like, there's, it's not a, a, an ideal place to live right now is Los yeah. Angeles. I mean, wow. Uh, right. I, listen, I hope all the comics leave LA, so it's just me and Shang left right. to, do, to do all the spots. <laughs> all you know? the spots. You hope all the comics leave uh, in Britain Child also. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Go, go, go ahead. You, know? comics, you, you guys want to go to Austin, Texas? Go. I'll, I'll I did hear him say I heard him saying the other day, I've always wanted to live in Austin. It's weird that Joe moved there because that's always been my dream. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, unbelievable. So, Is that what he said, oh, really? Oh, well, I mean. Yeah, he's like, it's always been my dream to move to Austin. Oh, yeah. But I, I, agree with, I agree with you and I agree with Adam. I think that the bottom line is, you know, some shit you just don't know. It, he says, I don't know. So sometimes I, I accept I don't know. But I do know when they are spinning it. And I do know when I see somebody say to me, that I saw the president say that they're going to come to the suburbs and they're going to make your houses bad and to, to lean it towards this people of color. Like, oh, you're talking about the people rioting? You're talking about the rioting? 
Is that what you're No, saying? not not just the rioting. He said because low income housing is gonna be pushed out to the suburbs oh. and all that other stuff and people of color are gonna come out there and I'm like, great. I'm like, fuck it, I can finally afford to buy a house. Right. Yeah, I mean it's just silly. It's, <laughs> silly. Silly. it's silly shit. And now, it's the silly shit. Well, now, now, Sean, you're defending the Kenosha shooter, right? I am. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If he I saw a video, if the video's true where the guy tried to throw a Molotov cocktail at him and try to hit him with it. I would shoot you in the face if you did that to me. Um, and the other guy hit him with the skateboard and the other guy had a gun pulled on him. He shot both of them. Uh, if you hit me with the skateboard, I'll shoot you. And if you try to pull a gun on me, I'll shoot you. Uh, obviously, he probably shouldn't have been there. Um, you know, and obviously, people are saying he was looking for trouble. Probably so. You know, I'm like, he was looking for or whatever. And um, I hate that it's a 17-year-old kid because I've got an 18-year-old and he's not, I mean, a year ago, not even now, but certainly not a year ago, he wouldn't be smart enough to be making adult decisions like that. Um, you know, or whatever to do that. But it's, uh, I don't know. I, obviously, if it was his property, maybe he shouldn't have been there looking for trouble, whatever. I agree with all that. But I can't, you can't blame a kid for those. He also shouldn't have had the gun, right? Isn't it? Right. No, yeah. But there's also a curfew. Those people shouldn't have been out on the street. So there's any number of ways you can look at it. You so know, they but, were out late. So they get to get shot. Yo, first off, first off, late. No, that's, that's, that. I mean, I was with you with the shooting. But the bottom line is, some of the video footage shows basically he was out there looking for it. It wasn't like somebody, and they don't have footage of a Molotov cocktail being thrown at him. They show footage of him and the cops condoning that, condoning him walking around 17 year old with an illegal weapon. He, they should have stopped him right then. Wait a minute, how old are you? You're 17, give me that fucking gun. You shouldn't even be here. And, but instead they let him continue to walk around with a gun and continue in a volatile situation, why what would about, you? Now, what about, okay, so I agree with both of you. What Now, is it self-defense? If you're running away from somebody, they're saying that you're no, no longer the aggressor, the other person is. If the person was throwing things at them, if some people say it was a sandwich, other people say it was a cocktail, other people said there was gunshots at them, but do you agree that it's okay to defend yourself if someone's running at you and you have a gun? If and they have a gun the, too. The second, the second, third guy he shot for sure. He had a right to the first guy. I don't know because there's not. It's not clear video evidence. There's no footage of the so no don't know, yeah. two that he killed. The third one, yes, that he shot in the arm and, and basically blew half his arm off. Yeah, but end of the day, okay. If I'm running away, if I'm running away and I turn and come back at you and aim and shoot you, can't do that. Can't do that. Just like you can't do that. If I'm walking away from you and you're two co cops, there's two cops, and I'm walking away from you, don't have a gun, don't have a knife, you can't shoot me in the back. What, about if, the, what about if the person was trying to grab his gun? Not the person that was trying to grab his gun. If he was trying to grab his gun, then that's different. But there's no footage, and there's tons of witnesses. I'm talking about not just protesters. I mean, people that are... Like you would think would be on his side or like, ah, dude kind of was there to shoot me. His mom dropped him off. No, there. come on, Shane. Mom, come mom, on, dude. His mom drove him there. His mom yeah. drove Dude, he there. was there all day cleaning graffiti off of businesses, providing medical assistance to people on Black Lives Matter and people opposing Black Lives Matter. And if you look really? at the video, the dude was chasing him with a pistol. He shot the dude in the arm who was holding a pistol. He later said, I wish I would have shot and killed him. The other dude was attacking him with a pistol. That was the third guy, though. The first guy wasn't in that pistol, did he? No. No, first the, the first guy was a pedophile, though, so that worked out great. <laughs> The first guy was a pedophile and yes. was screaming the N-word. Uh, and, and yeah, that, dude, can you, 
Dude, did you see the look on the black guy's faces when he's dropping the end bomb, the white guy that got shot? He's like, come at me, Nuka. Like, saying that. And you see the guys, the black guys looking at him like, dude, what? I know you're on our side, but come on, dude. Like, it takes some balls, oh, yeah. man. No, like, no, no. Golly. When you're saying he wasn't there to shoot people, okay. Then guess what? Come there with a brush and scrub the fucking shit off. Don't come there with an AR. Well, now both. You know how many Black Lives Matter people are out there with weapons? The frickin' they just killed a Trump supporter for no okay. reason in there Oregon. Black Lives, Black Lives Matter. It wasn't just Black Lives Matter. They said the bulk of the people that have been causing the conflict that were from other cities, and they weren't black. What are you talking about? They weren't even Black Lives Matter people that were even involved with Black Lives Matter. It was people there to, to, to make chaos, and the chaos in turn serves the person that they're voting for. And that is a fact. It is then, and if this kid was not there to shoot people, and he was just there for peace and to scrub and to help Black Lives Matter, Dang, don't bring saying, AR, motherfucker. Dang, are you saying the chaos is there to um, help Biden? Uh, no, 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 no. The the chaos will help Trump. And I mean, so Antifa wants to help Trump? No, it's okay. Antifa is number one. <laughs> it's not an organization. It's not an organization like like the Panthers or something like that. The Antifa's not. That's look it up. It's what just is not. It? I don't know. They seem pretty organized and pretty crazy. Oh, they seem pretty organized, pretty crazy, and the white nationalists don't. But the point is, they do also. Both okay, can be no, true. The point is, Antifa. No, these were people that got video footage of them in trucks shooting people with marbles out of paint guns. It was not Black Lives Matter shooting at people. In no, the no, truck. but but Antifa is aligned with getting Trump. They Antifa, hate Trump. Antifa. Antifa or good or not, it's not in the same ballpark as the shit that's going on against. And people are agitators. They're not, they're agitators, absolutely. But they are in no comparison to people walking with fucking tiki torches and, 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 no, that is, no, Antifa's burning stuff down too. They're both, they're, they're all terrible. But there, a lot of them, uh, but what I'm saying is what the perception is that the pro, that the protesters and rioters are the same thing. Rioters are, no, 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 no. I, I think, I think that's, the, the, that's the problem everybody's running into. It really is the problem because there's a lot of Black Lives Matter people who genuinely are out there, good people protesting. And then it's really, be honest with you, it's, I keep seeing the white people do it. The white people coming out there, the Antifa or whatever. They yeah. want to incite stuff, want to burn shit, and it's like that. It gets thrown in. Well, look what Black Lives Matter did. The same way Hitler was a Christian, you know what I mean, or whatever. Like he's a, I'm a Christian, you know, like this and that. Like you can throw your name in there. Like, I'm, like if I sound for Black Lives Matter and go kill somebody, that doesn't mean I speak for them. So yeah. I really wish that Black Lives Matter would form a. I really wish they would form legitimately a political party and have like a leader or whatever, and then put their platform out and like really unify so they, they can get their point across as opposed to everyone who would just be able to claim they're part of Black Lives Matter. Right. Like, I'm, exactly. I speak for Black Lives Matter, and we're going to riot and burn this whole city down. Like, don't, you know what I mean? Like, you don't speak for all those people if you aren't put in position to speak for them. So that's what I hate about it is you've got to, I don't know, it's, it's like the KKK speaking for all white people or all Trump supporters, you exactly. know what I mean? Like, oh, I yeah, like, it's not. I don't think all KKK and Ween, what I was saying is, if this kid was there about peace, because there was a lot of people that didn't come with ARs, they came, they came from other cities or from that actual place, were helping clean off walls, helping clean stuff up. They were trying to heal. This motherfucker showed up with an AR, and if you look at his Facebook and his, and his, his, um, his um, fucking Instagram, he said, bruh, I want to be famous. They show footage of him practicing shooting. They show footage of him doing all kind of weird shit. So the reason that he got charged, he didn't get allegedly charged. He flat out got charged with murder. 
is because of the stuff they saw in his background. And his mother dropping him off doesn't help his fucking case. <laughs> what, your mom wouldn't drop you off to a, a rally? Your mom is not supposed to drop you off with an AR nowhere. Come on. Yeah. Like, back when I was going Son, we, we don't live here. Don't go over there protecting shit that you don't own. Son, bring the AR back in the house. Yeah, that's, that's kind of... parent's supposed to do. The wean dog. Wean dog. You think he's going to get off? Yeah. I mean, he for sure is underage and shouldn't be carrying, uh, a, you know an AR-15, even though uh, Wisconsin has very loose uh, open carry laws, which, you know, he would have been fine if he was of age, um, but he Hi. will get off of the murder charges because he did act in self-defense, and um, he probably might get time because uh, I don't know if he's legally an adult in of Wisconsin or wherever it is, but he will for sure face some repercussions from this, but not, he's not gonna go, like, go away for murder charges. No, he's not gonna go away for murder charges. No, I don't think so, but again, his mom dropping him off, and I, if anything, I think his mom is part of it too. It's like, you're not supposed to do that with your fucking kids. You're supposed to keep your kids in the house, and yeah. they didn't live anywhere near there. Actually, he lived about 35 to 40 minutes away, so he purposely came over there. He purposely was walking the streets. If you just came to clean during the day, clean up the shit, go back home. Don't come back. All outside. I know is my cleaning lady might has an AR-15 all the time with her. So when she comes to the house to clean up, she got she carries an AR-15. Well, that <laughs> Can you imagine dropping your kid off like, honey, have fun, don't shoot too many people. Like keep it, keep it in the reason. Goodbye. The part is that he went he, he went home that night. He went home that night. Uh, see you on the news. Like, didn't he go home that night and sleep in his bed? I I don't know. It, uh, I, I know I know that the cops gave them water and condoned it. The cops, if, if they saw me walking with an AR and they didn't stop me, I'd be like, you're not a good cop. You're supposed to stop me and say something. If any, you're not supposed to, hey, you want some water? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? That's what I'm saying. It's that double standard bullshit. You don't think this and is I part of the, the cops trying to reach out to the, to the uh, community? They're saying the cops are supposed to be better friends with the community. So maybe they, they, they were just trying to say, hello, how's it going? How's your AR? <laughs> I think the cops know. I think the cops know they can't do anything, so they're all four people shooting them up. You know what I mean? Because the cops can't do anything. But that isn't true to a degree, though. Because in Atlanta, I saw uh, videos in Atlanta about three hundred black dudes with some serious machine guns walking around Atlanta, and nobody was bothering them at all. Like they were just oh, the, go the, and, the, the no fucking around crew. The yeah, no, like, no, dudes, no fucking around coalition. And it they cracks me up. People are like, people put a picture of that on Facebook. Like, if this bothers you, but this doesn't. Like two white guys holding guns, then whatever. I'm like, why would that bother me? Like, what? what like, but it does bother that's a black guy? Like, I don't get it. Was, it man. They were adults. They were ex-military. The No Fucking Around Coalition is adults. Number one, they're adults. They're ex-military. It was 1,500 of them, and they marched to keep, they keep the people safe from Klan rallies that were happening. Because they, before that, the Klansmen or the white nationalists beat the shit out of two people, and they beat the shit out of a mixed couple. There was a mixed couple just walking down the street. They beat the shit out of them. So after that, they said, listen, we're not gonna shoot anybody, but we're not gonna make sure that you don't do nothing. Wow. That's what they were there for. No other reason. And if you notice, nothing popped off. Nobody shot anybody. Nobody. Two people weren't killed, and one people person wasn't shot. So why is it that fifteen hundred men, black men, grown men, military men, can walk with AR-15s and walk down it, walk, and nobody gets shot, but a seventeen-year-old who's underage shouldn't have had a gun went there, should have left after he cleaned some shit up and went back home, and yet he was out mixing it up at night. And no, even I, I think it's a no fucking around zone. They should go to fucking Wisconsin. 
you know? Well, like, you know I, a friend of mine. Go, they need to go on tour. Life. They need to go a tour. Like, it just, why, <laughs> why are they only in Atlanta? They got to turn them into a band. Atlanta, DC, um, they're coming out here. And uh, a friend of mine told me about that. They're coming out here and they're, they're going to go to different places. And again, they're not. Are you going to join them? I mean, you have a gun, right? No. You don't have a gun? No, I don't have a gun. Wow. How come? Uh, he loaned it to some kid in Wisconsin, I heard. Yeah. <laughs> his, mom, his mom came and took him to a, a, a rally. Yeah. That, that sounds safe. Uh, go, Kirkle, go to the Black Lives Rally with an AR, son. You'll have so much fun. But Kirkle, <laughs> how, how many guns do you have, LaShawn? Uh, 20 to 25, probably. Really? Yeah, yeah, I got a uh, – yeah, I used to have more, but I sold a couple of them. Yeah, over more than 20, for sure. Uh, is, is, is somebody – is somebody invading your house? Uh, uh, <laughs> Not yet. I, I expect the police at any moment. But why do you um, have you have twenty to twenty five guns? Yeah, I bought my first gun when I was twelve. Um, <laughs> when mom was dropping me off at a rally. No, um, I was. Uh, I just always been a collector. My dad died. He left me a lot of guns. I had probably twelve or fifteen already, and he had like ten. It just like I've got shotguns. I got AR-15s. I got uh, a couple machine guns. Um, I kept Glock, uh, Beretta 9mm I keep in my car. Um, I don't really go anywhere without a gun anymore because I can't fight anymore. Um, so, like, uh, with my back being hurt. So, I still want to be right all the time. So, I just have a gun with me. And I, I found you can still be right if you've got a gun. Yeah. I do have a funny story. <laughs> don't let me forget to tell you about the German. It's a funny story about the German. But, all, right, before we, all right. Before we leave, I hear this German. But hold on. Wee Dog, how many guns do you have, Wee Dog? I just have my sniper rifle. It's not a good home defense gun, but it, it, will, it will do the job. Okay, so what's this German? What's this German story? Okay, so me and my girlfriend are out to eat the other night, right? And uh, we're at actually at a German restaurant, and we're sitting there, and it's real quiet. Um, nobody's wearing masks, as they shouldn't. And uh, we're sitting there, and it's so funny every time we come in, like, sir, do you have a mask? I'm like, no, thanks. Like, I don't understand. I just walk in without. <laughs> um, so we're sitting there, and it's all quiet. And all of a sudden, we hear from this table about twelve people. This guy goes, "I'm not even German," and everybody starts dying laughing. So that's apparently the punchline to his joke. As right. opposed to a Brendan Shaw punchline, which is just, what the fuck? Like, that's every punchline. <laughs> Have you seen this R. Kelly video? What the fuck, right? That's his punchline. But anyway, so this guy says, I'm not even German. And everyone at the table just, I mean, they're like spilling their drinks, laughing. It's the funniest joke ever. So I started theorizing what could the setup have possibly been to that joke to make it funny. You know what I mean? Like, he'd be like, uh, yeah, it turns out I'm eating, uh, you know, uh, this German sausage, you know, and I ordered only that and the waitress, you know, brings it over. I'm not even German, you know, and I was like, that's not very funny. And then I was thinking, you know, this guy comes up to me at the airport. He starts talking to me because he sees the outfit I'm wearing and he's speaking German. I'm not even German. And so then I was like, I kept theorizing what could have been so funny. And the only one I thought of that could have possibly been funny is him been like, so it turns out I'm working at Auschwitz as a guard, right? For years, we're exterminating people. Then I find out I'm not even German. Like, I don't know. <laughs> That's not a bad joke. That's the only thing I could think of. And my girlfriend thought that was really funny when I was trying to come up with I, I don't think it was like, a, I was online to blow Hasselhoff, and I was like, I'm not even joking. Right. <laughs> it, uh, did I tell you about when I got stopped at the airport in Germany and I started claiming to be a Jew? That was so great. Well, and what happened? Um, I, got, I, I go to Germany to get my back supposedly fixed from that doctor, you know, the one that treats all the famous people. So I go there, and they tell me when I get to Chicago, oh, you, your passport only has 60 days left on it. You can't go to Germany. And I was like, no, no, I paid like $15,000 for a procedure. And if I don't show up, I don't get my money. I have to go to Germany. Well, you can't, uh, you can't go. And um, you have to have at least 90 days left on your passport. You'll have to go a different time. I was like, ma'am, you don't understand. I've been waiting six months for this procedure. Um, it's prepaid. If I don't show, I don't get my money back. I have to go. 
well, I don't know what to tell you. So I almost like start crying because I'm like, I can't believe this. I thought my back pain's about to be over, you know, waited six months for this doctor, prepaid everything, you know, like all this different stuff. And so she goes, I keep saying, you don't understand how important this is. So she calls a the manager. They said, well, we could probably send you through Poland and then from Poland to Germany because they won't check in Poland. They're not very bright there. And I was like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? And she goes, no, no, I didn't mean it like that. I meant there are people that work there. I was like, oh, I know what you meant. So I could defend her, right? But yeah. Um, so um, she sends me to Poland first. They don't check my passport or check my ID. Sends me to Germany. They don't check anything when I get there because it's from one European country to another. So as I start to walk out, I'm asking this Australian guy who comes to Germany all the time. I sat next to him on the plane, apparently. He comes to Germany all the time. And I told him, he said, I said something about not having euros. I said, do I need euros? They take dollars. He's like, dude, where do you think you're going? You absolutely need euros. And I was like, well, every other country, they always take dollars. He goes, this ain't Mexico, you know? <laughs> I'm talking to him, talking to him, like, where can I get dollars? You know, I'm trying to like, talk to him, where can I get euros? Talk to him. And so we get out there and I said, hey, will these guys speak English here? He's like, no, you're in Germany. Like, he's in Dusseldorf. They're like, and I was right. like, well, how do I even get a cab? I'm trying to figure out how to get to the hotel, you know, this and that. And so this cop sees me, like, talking to dude a bunch, seem like maybe unsure of myself, and he comes over and wants to see my passport. Out of nowhere, comes walking over and wants to see my passport. And I know if he sees it, I'm not getting in, you know, like, past the thing. He's going to stop me. And so, like, I'm panicking, like, oh, my gosh, he's not going to let me in. I'm not going to be able to be there tomorrow. The, the appointment's in, like, 12 hours. So he comes over. He goes, uh, he, he starts speaking. I'm like, oh, I, I don't speak German. I'm not even German. No. He, uh, so he starts, like, trying to talk to me. And uh, I was like, I don't know. He keeps saying passport, passport. And I'm like, I don't understand. And so he shows someone, like, that the other guy's points at his passport and see mine. And I'm like, oh, you need to see my papers? Is that what it is? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you could see my papers. I said, is this because I'm Jewish? I said, I'm Jewish. Is that what this is about? And he goes, oh, oh, no, no, no. I said, no, no, let me get my papers for you, pure, like, oh, whatever. No I said, hold on a second. And I started throwing a fit. I was like, unbelievable. 2000, you know, 17 or 18, I have to deal with this stuff because I'm a Jew. And the guy's like, oh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. He goes, walk away. I'm like a cop or whatever. I was sweating, dude. Like, I'm not kidding you. I was absolutely like just, I, I was like thinking they're going to stop me, not let me in. And now I got all this close. I'm five miles from the doctor. And I can't get my procedure. So, Nothing like German yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna use. I am a quarter Jewish, though, so I'm allowed to make jokes. Of course, of course. Listen, people. That next time a cop pulls me over, (laughs) (laughs) just tell him you're not even driving because I'm a Jew. What the? Is that why you're doing it? Because I'm a Jew. (laughs) Yeah, that's a hell of a Jewish accent. Yeah, yeah, you're really Jewish. Like, like that was super Jewish. I had to put the voice there to make it like. No, but no. You know what? I think that the, the the thing is. When we talk about this, because Adam gets a kick out of seeing people. I, he's a weirdo. He's a fucking weirdo. But it's weird because I, anytime we mention anything pertaining to mask or Trump or whatever else, the, the whole conversation, yeah, man, that was a good fight. It was a good double leg. And then all of a sudden we go, yeah, but what about Trump? I'm like, what does that have to do? <laughs> and Weed has a fucking sniper gun. That's scaring the shit out of me. I'm on here with Weed, and Weed is not only does he have a, a, a fucking black, dark funeral parlor behind him or whatever the fuck. It's a graveyard. <laughs> well, yeah, a graveyard, and you have a sniper gun. He has, yeah. he has a nice-looking kid. McCorkle has 25 guns. That yeah, but that's different. <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> McCorkle, that made sense. You, you're a nice kid. I wanted. To, I had. I went through a hunting phase where I wanted to go hunting, but it's really hard to go hunting when you live in Los to, Angeles. Wanted you to like put a gun to her head when you had sex with her. Yeah, a Tinder uh, date was kind of freaky. She wanted me to put a gun to her head uh, during <laughs> lovemaking, but you know that is yeah. But Third I did want to go hunting, but Third that never he happened. Was on a date after all, she didn't even know they had a date. But there it is. What what is that? That's right. AR fourteen. It's my yeah. AR-15. 
Wow. But what sniper, how do you go hunting with a sniper gun? What are you picking off deer from fucking rooftop? Deer? Yeah, well, because they run away. They're very skittish if you get too close. You have to shoot them from far away or wild boar, you know? Yeah, because you know the deer. How many deer are there in Burbank? No, that's why I haven't gone hunting. You have to travel like a, like an eight-hour drive to <laughs> some farm or something to go shoot pigs in California or in Southern California. Adam, have you been hunting? hunting trip is for Wisconsin, I heard. His mom's going to drop him off. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, have you been hunting before? No, no. <laughs> he said no. No, I do not. I, 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 whatever you hunt, you have to, you have to I eat. Probably, I probably start crying and shit. Anyway. <laughs> You guys have been a lot of fun. Uh, th thank you for everything. Have a great week. McCorkle, the best. Shang, the best. You guys, uh, be careful out there. Take care, guys. Be good. I'm not even German. I'm a